Secret Truth. I'm your host, George Butler. Charlotte Littlefield Brown is still on vacation. We missed that little gal. Tonight, our subject, and our, we're going to talk about Bohemian Grove. This is out in California, north of San Francisco. Some people call it a cult, of the occult, uh, so forth. I mean, there's a lot of allegations. We've had a couple of people from Austin that, that penetrated that and infiltrated it and got some live video in July of 2000. Our guest tonight is Alan Watt. He's a profound expert in the field of ideas, world systems, parapolitics. We've got the right gentleman tonight for this discussion. He's got, he's got a site, Cutting Through the Matrix. And go in there, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. He has a lot of past radio that he's done. He's got some excellent um, radio uh, digital MP3s you can listen to. And he has some excellent material to order. His body of knowledge is about occultism, is about as broad as you're going to find uh, uh, anyone. He goes millenniums back. Welcome to our program, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be back. You know, Alan, you do go back millenniums, don't you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm not puffing that, am I? <laughs> no, I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> am I accusing you? <laughs> I, I, I feel it, too. I feel it, too. Yeah. yeah, if the tag is right, I guess you got to wear it, right? <laughs> That's the very white. After all these years. Well, you're you're one of the few men that I can talk to over more than just a few centuries. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and do, do you think that these men sitting out there right now at this moment in Bohemian Grove, what what they're captured by or caught up by the 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 Matrix, the Web, or whatever? What, where did that begin? How far back does that go? You can go back as far as we're given in histories for. Uh, secret societies generally of an elite nature and even the Romans had their equestrian orders where they set up a tent outside of Rome and they had initiation ceremonies for the novices and these were young nobility and also for the higher people who dealt with the trades etc the money it, it all, it's all hand in glove with money and power and rulership over the public and even in those days, there was some kind of odd ceremony, a sexual ceremony between the grandmaster and the novice. That goes down through time. And I don't know if you've ever seen the little clip they have on Google with Nixon talking. He went to the Bohemian Grove. He talked about the, the rampant homosexuality. That was yes, I, I noticed he's, he had that, uh, yeah, that opinion out there. Yes, and so you have that. And then you have even... In uh, all major religions, you have an esoteric side to it, 
And in the, the Talmud, they have references to what happened to the staff of Moses after he led them through the desert. Now, that was a brazen serpent. Uh, so um, it was a serpent, supposedly, with wings upon it, too. And so they put it in a grove, and the elite of that, that time period would worship in the grove uh, where this brazen serpent was. Why, why was it always a grove? I mean, what, what symbolic... Was it hidden away, away from the cities and the villages and, and from yeah. other people? Is that sort of the way it was? It, it was, but it's always traditionally... In fact, it's, it's traditionally near a river or stream as well. And so the, in the Bohemian Grove, they, they have the Russian River going through. But they also modeled their capital cities across the world down through time on the same principle where they'll, they'll, they'll lay out the plan of the city with a major river next to it running, or running through it. That's also traditional. Does the water have a symbolic... Uh, uh, is it about rebirthing or, or some... They have mixed into some of their initiation some kind of a, a whole new man. Is it sort of a Luciferian type of dynamic at times? Absolutely. Uh, since the most ancient time, you, you'll find in the esoteric traditions of all the major religions, the same story buried within. And in, for instance, uh, in an Old Testament Judaic book, they'll, they'll, they'll give you clues about the deity itself, which again it goes deeper in the esoteric side of it, but, but they give you an idea that the, the deity is actually male and female, hermaphroditic. And you'll find the same things in the traditions of Egypt, so, so much so that if you could not be completely God, male and female, sometimes the priests of Isis, say, would emasculate themselves so that they could be, being neither uh, human one way or the other, meant you were closer to the deity. These are the odd things that they would go through. And even in esoteric cultish tradition, uh, emasculation was, was often carried out at, at an, elder, an elderly age after they'd had their families and so on before they could reach the higher orders. So there's a lot of sexual symbology. Water itself, traditionally, uh, is, is um, female, according to the traditions. Uh, it's also, you know, when you're born, you, you come out with water from the womb as well. The birth canal and all that? The birth canal. A canal is also a way uh, into the tradition. You would understand that's the way, the way into the world. And... Uh, even with the Viking orders, and they had their own elect orders too, which are all, I think, to be honest with you, affiliated with each other by a much higher group. The Vikings used to send their, their dead out on the, the ships to be burned. So you had fire over water. Now, fire over water is also displayed in the Washington Monument or wherever they put up their Masonic statues or obelisks because the obelisk is a male phallus and at the top, the perfect pyramid is at the very top of the pinnacle and that represents perfection through fire so it, and it, it, it's always reflected in the, the pool of water at the base, which is the female fire over water fire over water, then, yeah. then how about Malik, Malik he, he, his name occurred uh, out there at the Bohemian Grove, I think Alex Jones then brought out a video and Mike Hansen and and the priests were were bringing up the word and dedicating it to Moloch, you know. Now, did not Moloch was that where you uh, dedicated and sacrificed your firstborn to Moloch? Yeah, you did. You did, and there's descriptions into of the fire, right? They burned him. They burned it, but Moloch was actually a statue 
with the hands outstretched, and it was a mechanical gizmo. With what, some kind of a roaring fire inside of the uh, mm-hmm. of the statue? Is that what you what you? It, it seemed to be. You know, some people, some of the uh, the Greek philosophers who travelled to to the Babylonian structures and to even the Phoenicians, because really it's one and the same thing when you look through their their methods with this particular statue. They said it was a mechanical thing and that the mother would place the, the baby into the, the, the arms of the statue that then turned or lowered it into the fire. Now, the, but they have dug up, we have the arche, uh, archaeologists who have dug up the caverns underground where they had these ceremonies and where the statues were, and have found the urns of the, the ashes of many, many babies, and that's, that's an own fact. They did certainly do this, yeah. So this this is not only just conjecture. I mean, there is physical evidence through archaeological what excavations and so forth. There's no doubt whatsoever. Yeah, that they found lots of this, but they also find it in the history books, where you look at um, when when Carthage, for instance, was being attacked uh, by Rome. Uh, they said that they could see the elite nobility of Rome when they thought they were losing, then sacrifice their own firstborn sons on the battle. Uh, mounts at the top and uh, so it didn't matter it didn't have to be a, a baby although that was traditional in times of trouble you, you would use um, any age of the firstborn even if he's in his 20s you'd kill him as a sacrifice for power from the deity I see you know I was just googling around uh, out there at Bohemian Grove and they have the front gates there yeah. <laughs> you can see yeah. you know uh-huh. like a street scene yeah yeah and it's at the corner of uh, Bohemian Avenue and Railroad Avenue, I believe. And, uh, yeah, the Russian River does run uh, along inside the preserve. I think it's, what, 2,700 acres of... 2,400, I think, the house. Is it now? Uh, Redwood, there Redwood was a Forest. recent report about them trying to do some logging in there. Have you heard that? No, I hadn't heard that, no. There was some news piece just recently, I'll see if I can dig it up here, where they were going to, to, to uh, work some logging operation in there, maybe, uh, I, you know, it... I don't know if it generates. They don't need money, do they? I mean, those people. They don't. They, they, don't. Have, they have plenty of money, I tell you. We've Lots got to cut it. away here for, for our first break, and we'll come back and, and delve into where this is exactly and, and, and what goes on out there. We'll be right back. Thank you, Alan. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back, Alan One. Hey, tell us about uh, your website and what you have on there and uh, how to order uh, some of your, your material. Yeah, it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and it, uh, there's lots of free shows they can go over to do with a lot of the histories, uh, some of the ancient stuff, the middle stuff, and the present stuff, and where we're going. And also, the, I have books there for sale and CDs and DVDs where I explain some of this on, on DVD. Um, there's also another site, it's Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel, that's based in Europe, and from there they can download transcripts of a lot of the shows. They prefer to read them, 
and they can pass them around to their friends to to uh, try and inform them what's happening. How many how many radio programs and how many how many articles have you written over the years? Is it virtually hundreds or into the thousands now? Oh, it's, it's many hundreds anyway now. Yeah. So it, it's way up there. On the bottom of my page, thesecrettruth.com, we have a Bohemian Club membership list, okay? Yeah. So if a person is interested in that, a fellow out of the Netherlands put that together. It's the most extensive list I've seen. So uh, our listing audience can go in there and click off on that if they want to see who some of the members are. Otherwise, I did find the article, uh, the San Francisco Gate Chronicle. It says here about 2,000 members of the Bohemian Club started arriving this week. So this is uh, dated July 12th, a recent article. For the famously secret annual encampment of relaxation, hijinks, and male bonding. <laughs> is that what they call yeah. that? <laughs> That's how they fight over, yeah. Okay, the club's board is fighting for an ambitious logging plan for its Bohemian Grove on the Russian River. The high-powered club is seeking a special logging permit that would allow it to cut more than one million board feet each year in perpetuity without strict environmental review. Anyway, people on the web can go in there and read that whole article. But so that sort of surprised me a little. What, is it sort of thinning out some of the uh, the undergrowth? Is that what they're trying to do? It could be. It could also be to make more lodges because inside there they have different sections across the whole forest. And you're, when you join, you're assigned your specific order, and you're, you're in that order unless you until you progress to a higher order and you get moved around within that that 2,400 uh, acre. Oh, that's right. They have different uh, names of different uh, encampments, I believe, different camps yeah. in there. That, that, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I see. Okay, also on, on my web page, we've got the Bohemian Grove Cult of Conspiracy by, by Mike Hansen and then Bohemian Grove video by uh, uh, Alex uh, Jones. Now, now, getting back to the, the mindset, these people, most are very, very wealthy, are they not? Very wealthy and very often... Yeah, so you have your power magnets there. You have your, your big CEOs of massive international corporations. And you also have your top politicians uh, involved, uh, kind of Canadian as well. And no doubt even the Mexican ones will come up and maybe in further Latin American countries. So it's, it's again, it's power with, with business and politics combined. Uh, scientific elites also uh, are invited to attend um, we know that, that, that they discussed the, the creation of the atom bomb in the Grove with the members at one of their meetings, and it's even said that the decision to ultimately drop it, um, which is interesting, even the parallels they used, the 33rd degree parallel for Hiroshima. Really? Yeah, it was done in the Grove, yeah. Well, I know Harold Brown, he was uh, uh, Secretary of Defense at one time. He, he's a member on that list, and he's, very, he's a physicist and all that. So they have a lot of some very, very well-educated people. Let me, let me ask you this, Alan. How do people that are this educated get tied into some of these, these things? I mean, how do they get recruited in there or what? Well, what you'll find in going into CEO positions or trying to get up to that position or in bureaucracy or government, you must join branches of Freemasonry to begin with. That's pretty well mandatory in all countries. And so they're already uh, used to taking oaths. They know it, it's a way to, uh, to help their career take off. And uh, they, they meet, they get a circle. That's what it's meant. To, you, you, a compass creates a circle, so you travel within your own circle of friends. You're given new circles of friends which intertwine like the Olympic Games logo. 
And um, so therefore, you're always expanding your circle of friends and, and associates and contacts as you go up the ladder. And what they're referring to is Jacob's Ladder, of course, the real meaning behind it. And so therefore, you, you are used to, uh, in a sense, prostituting yourself to get ahead in the world, to get the right brownie points to be accepted by the dominant minority. And they go all the way up to clubs like Bohemian Grove. Now, they have other ones across the world. And there's ones, ones in the St. Lawrence River, too, on, our, on an island there, where many of the same members come up to uh, every so often and meet with some of the Canadian ones. And that goes as far back as President Wilson's day. And so they have different locations for the same type of thing. And all women are excluded from it. It's a male thing only. Even the servants are male. And um, there's a lot of debauchery goes on. However, and they have ceremonies, the same ceremonies every year at the, the you know, the the, the burning of, of uh, care, basically. What is, this, what is this cremation of care ceremony about? Well, well, care, on the one hand, you understand in the high occult elites, they don't have morality as you know it. In fact, and, and even before you get up into the occult, you're, you're probably going in the lesser occult, like masonry you gradually are taught there's no such thing as right or wrong. It's cabalistic, you see. It's, it's, it's beyond even moral relativity. Moral relativity is simply a philosophy spun off of Kabbalah. Now, now the, the Kabbalah, uh, t tell the audience what that is about. Is that Jewish mysticism? What is that exactly? Yeah. It's Jewish mysticism uh, that begun, supposedly, around the 10th century, the final book, the Sephiroth, was finished around the 16th century in Europe. And, uh, however, um, people like uh, Wallace Budge, who was the chief Egyptologist for the British Museum, uh, and his excavations in Egypt claims that the Kabbalah is much older, at least, at least the foundations of it are much older. So it's a very old type philosophy. But ultimately, you go up and you find as I say, there's no such thing as real right or wrong. Power is its own right. And that, that um, if you take the, the motto of Alastair Crowley, who run the OTO, the Order Temple Orientis, a branch of Freemasonry, he belonged to five different Masonic lodges, he said that, that, that um, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. That's it. In other words, if you want to do it, do it. And if you're mighty enough and powerful enough to do it, um, there's no comeback on you. <clears throat> You'll find an awful lot of the similarities of the Bohemian Grove and what happens in, in that particular place and others uh, occurred in the Middle Ages with the Albigensians and the Cathars of southern France and uh, northeastern Spain when they emulated their own well they, they set up their own big communes and cities and they emulated the Catholic Church with bishops etc but they had their own very peculiar rituals going up to the perfect time when you're perfected you're above all laws you've become a god then, then that's what it is about self God's uh, Godhead hey we're going to have to take another break and we'll be right back let's continue that God Godhead idea men men fail themselves don't they be right back thank you Listening to GCN, the Genesis Communications Radio Network.
Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back, Alan Wine. It's a pleasure. Yeah. You, you know, Alan, um, you and I, we, we have ability to, to, to throw things off of each other. You notice that? <laughs> yes, we do. Um, what, what I see out here, and, and check me and correct me, and, and I need your input and, and uh, your feedback on, on these things. There seems like to me that these abstracted selves are fighting among each other or trying to outdo each other. Is it an abstraction of self that they think they're something they're not really? It's a, it's a philosophy at the very least, and it's a religion at the most, uh, most prominent. Uh, there's no doubt it's a religious factor involved in all of this. Uh, even the, the, the celebration of the, say, of, of, care, you know, of the death of care, the burning of care, it's generally a dummy dressed up as a, a young boy or a man thrown into the fire. And technically, on one hand, that they'll tell their members that that represents the, the, the child that was you, and you've now matured into a much higher state, higher being. And so that's part of it. It's also reborn. You're reborn when you join these these groups, where it's basic Freemasonry. You get born again. And that's what George Bush Senior said, and and Bush Junior, uh, when he was asked if he's a born again Christian, of course, he didn't say. He didn't, he says, if you ask him if I'm born again, the answer is yes he was raised from the coffin in the skull and bone ceremony so the cremation of care um, signifies uh, um, that's the old you the one that used to worry and fret and fume about things uh, and laws and morals and so on now you're, you're raised to a higher status of, of close to godhood if not godhood itself then those just like the Albigensians as perfecti those laws no longer affect you and you can do as you wish now, Theodore Roosevelt, interestingly enough, was one of the few presidents that made reference to this in uh, a way most people will miss. That's in his biography. It's also in the movie that's about Theodore Roosevelt, uh, where he's discussing history being a long, dark tunnel down through the ages, and the only lights that, that illuminated it and went down in the history books were conquerors and the Alexander the Great types people who were not stunted by morality or what we would take at the bottom as decency and cultural norms or taboos, uh, they broke them all and went out to, to claim empires as gods should. And, he's, and, and so he's, he's telling his staff that he was one of them. Um, it's also called a point of light down the highway. Uh, this was mentioned first by Benjamin Franklin in his own diaries that he wished to be remembered as a single point of light. He meant in, in this long, long, spiraling darkness. I see. You, you'll find the same statement made by Boussinier when he talked about the thousand points of light that are here right now. That's those who have passed before into a spiritual realm, the hidden masters, and their, their emissaries on earth. They're in the physical bodies working the great work, as it's called, of bringing in a new world order which isn't just a political system or economic system. It's a completely new way of life where everything is to be ordered and science is to be elevated to the highest pinnacle until it's in control of every facet of every individual's life, right down to even deciding which genes shall be mixed with which genes. Eugenics is very big in this system. They're all eugenicists by nature. How would you describe this system? Is there, is there one word to describe it or not? Yeah, well... 
I've no doubt. Is it fascism? It's not really. It's a mixture of differing ideas, is it not? From the one system came communism. Okay. And and fascism. And uh, now you've got the merger of the two systems, as as a, the, the the Reese Commission found out under under Senator Dodds, when they, the Ford Foundation told them she's worked through foundations. That's with the financing to all of these movements, these social for change movements groups uh, comes from. And uh, he was told by the Ford Foundation their job was to merge the Soviet system painlessly, seamlessly with that of the West. And this is called The Third Way in Alvin Toffler's book. Newt Gingrich was passing that book around to every congressman. Yeah, that was his mentor, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it Alvin, was. Alvin Toffler, Alvin Heidi. I think yep. it's a team of, of a husband and wife that has sought, that's written those books. Yeah. And now, so I've got right have... here on the list, Theodore Roosevelt was a member of the Bohemian Grove. Yeah, they all were. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, too, it's this thing. Was Charlie really Rose is a member too. You know, the guy that has the has a, a late evening uh, talk show. Yeah. Charlie Rose is a member of the mm-hmm. uh, Bohemian Grove. See, anyone with public sway uh, for creating opinion uh, is asked to go there. Anyone who's up there in the public limelight. Carl Rove is a member of Bohemian mm-hmm. Grove. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. Yeah. William yeah, Sapphire is also a member. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they get everybody on both sides, don't they, huh? Oh, sure. The, the politics is just a show for the public. Yeah. Is, it, it, it's a big hustle, is it not? It's an incredible hustle. After all, you know, if you want to own the wealth of the world and, and the minerals and everything in the world, you don't go for petty stuff. You go for the whole lot. And since you're a knight, you've all gone through the knight phases of your various Masonic lodges, then a knight goes on a mission, a quest, like a crusade almost, huh? It's a quest. Um, a quest, a quest. Okay. And it's also sent by his master on the quest. That's the part of it, too. And he is bold. Now, another term for bold is audacious. He must be audacious. And with audacity, and that means that you break all rules that the normal people will follow. That's, that's why you succeed. And, and so you go for the biggest stakes of all, break all the rules to get it, and, and you have succeeded on your quest. So, so the pirates were ruthless, right? And so the skull and bones is sort of a manifestation of that, right? The pirates were actually the member. The early pirates were the members uh, in the fleet of the Knights Templar that left France before they were caught with their treasure. And they erected um, the flag because even Masonic lodges often use that, that particular skull and bones flag instead of the coffin they'll lay it out as their jewels on, on a traveling lodge. So they'll lay on the flag to be raised up from the dead by the Grand Master, and that became the flag for piracy. Were the Russell Trust ships that, that uh, you know, went into India and China with opium, you know, shipments and so yeah. forth? Uh, I read somewhere, and I'm not sure how accurate this is, but the company flag that they flew on their ships was the Skull and Bones. They flew the Skull and Bones and... Uh, they also had another, that quite a few other companies. They had the the British East India Company flag as well, which was um, which was actually copied into be what you think is the American flag. That was the British British East India Company flag initially with the stars and stripes. Have and have, have many of these families uh, in the past made their fortunes on drug? Uh, you know, yes, dealing all, and all shipping those, and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Is that yep. the basis of some of their wealth? 
It's a lot of their wealth uh, down through the ages. These are intergenerational families. They often are intermarried within each other. And we know that the Bushes' uh, ancestors were leading members in dumping the opium on China, and so were the Kerrys, by the way. Uh, they all went to the same universities, and, and they all uh, dumped opium and made... Uh, well, now, now, the, the, now the benefactor of Yale, he was an East India uh, official. He founded it. He's he one founded the, one, one, it, huh? One of the main founders, yeah. Okay, Elijah but, Yale is the new one. Yeah, so, so he, uh, he bequeathed, I think, 600 pounds or something, uh, the sale of some uh, cargo, and, he, and it, it was used to to establish the university after it had been established earlier as much more of a religious college, I believe. Yeah. Well, Elihu Yale said... Elijah, that, yeah, Elijah Yale, that's right. Yeah. And he said, we must um, we must create the, the, these universities in this one in particular because forever, he says, we shall supply the country with, with our own people and never lose sight of the direction of, that we're going. In other words, they'd always supply the people that would become the leaders, yeah. Well, I tell you that out of Yale came a lot of a lot of things, didn't it? Oh yeah, like William Graham Sumner that helped kill the Greenback. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of things. Hey, we've got to cut away here again, and we'll be back. And do you want to open up phones and take some callers? Sure. Yeah. Okay, we'll do that when we come back. Thank you for listening, everyone out there. And uh, Alan, you're getting better. <laughs> you like fine wine. <laughs> fine wine. You're getting That's better right. with age. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Welcome back to The Secret Truth. I'm your host, George Butler. Welcome back, Alan Watt. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, we, our phones are open now, 1-800-259-9231. Again, that's 1-800-259-9231. Give us a call, uh, and uh, Alan Watt has, has such a depth of knowledge. Um, when, when we're talking about the occult, are these people occultists? Uh, in all these different organizations. Is that how you would describe them in a general way? Definitely. Uh, in fact, really, the system they're involved in, which is, is, a, form, is a form in itself of government, uh, it's above the elected government in a sense. Uh, that's where the real deals are made quietly in the dark and real things, real decisions are made uh, between contacts at these kind of meetings. So there's an occultic side even from that perspective but there's no doubt they're into what they call the great work, which is to, they used to couch it in terms in the, in the Middle Ages of, of nature, to see the understanding nature that could conquer and reshape the world and perfect all that that was left imperfect. And today they use the term science rather than nature. And through science they're perfecting all that they claim or deem was left imperfect, that the builder left imperfect, so, or the architect left. Are these perfectibilists, uh, I mean, do they think that, that humankind is perfectible? Oh, that's all through their, their philosophy. There's the same philosophy in Nazism as communism. Uh, the communists talked about creating the, the new Soviet man uh, that was a superman. This all came again from the writings of 
survival of the fittest and that through science they could improve the species and perfect it. It went on from there into um, the Fabian Society with the, the top founders, uh, Bert, uh, Bernard Shaw and H.G. Wells and others, and with the, the big wealthy families uh, contributing to it. Their whole philosophy was that, and Bernard Shaw wrote the book, it was called Man and Superman, stating that those who could not adapt into the new system that would come would, would have to be eliminated because it would bring down the superior species. And then Hitler came into the, the Superman era. He had caches of, of breeding, breeding women where he took the high officers from the SS who were allowed to pass on their genes to these selected women to create a new type of Superman. Um, you, this is all down through the ages. You, you find the same philosophy and even in ancient times, the, the, the ancient societies said that they would perfect that all that that was left imperfect. In other words, the God hadn't left it perfect enough, so they were going to perfect it in their own image, which is exactly the same boast that Lucifer supposedly gave when he was cast to earth. But then on one hand, they're, they're looking at perfecting themselves or so forth, but then with no restrictions on anything that they want to do. What they've said is that they'd use science to perfect their physical body. This is the interesting part oh, of it. Okay. Um, people like Charles Galton Darwin, the grandson of Charles Darwin, in his book, uh, The Next Million Years, meaning the next dominating period by the same group for the next million years, which is quite the boast, where he talks about culling down the population, the useless eaters, getting rid of the inferior species types in humanity. He also... Uh, talked about, he says, we, the elite, must retain our survival capabilities because we will be steering planet Earth, the, the, the captains of the ship. But, but he and others, like, uh, like Arthur Kostler, that worked for MI5, uh, said the same thing. He says, but the general public won't need those capabilities because the state will be making all their decisions for them. So they both, both suggested ways of lobotomizing the, the, the okay. physical human brain of the lesser types those who would be managed by the state. Oh, man. This, this is, now, let me take a step further. You go into ancient Egypt, and they leave you a legacy and remnants uh, and, as mummies. Mummies were wrapped to be immortal. It was meaning, meaning their goal in the future was to create physical immortality for the elite only. Now, we have David Suzuki, who is one of the biggest uh, uh, mouthpieces, propagandists, for the United Nations, World Wildlife Fund, and so on, um, who's also talked about the need to cull off masses of the human population. He has said, and he is a geneticist, he said that we now have the capability to extend a person's life by stopping the time clock gene oh, and make them live to 500 years. So this, this plan of getting physical immortality is to be for the elite only. They will not alter their brain um, to, to be inferior as they will the masses as we go through this. I've got it. Uh, hey, Stuart, uh, Stuart from Austin, what is your question for Alan Watt? Welcome to the program. Uh, during the last uh, session, they talked about the, um, a kind of rebirth in a coffin. Are, 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 they, are you guys aware that, that the satanic actual satanic baptism involves that yeah. as a part of the satanic mass and it's a symbolic death and rebirth of the ego rather than the, the antithesis in Christianity which is death and, and rebirth in Christianity mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 does that relate to this? I mean, is it? Mm-hmm. Well, is this a, 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 a I don't know a, a travesty of it or a mockery of it or what? Are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that this has been used as well. Well, then this is this is the antichrist, if the, in the sense that if. It's the direct. It's it's a mim- mimicry of of Christian death and resurrection of it's Jesus, a, and, and, a mimicry. and a, a mockery of the Christian uh, rebirth into Christianity, isn't it? Yeah, you, you've got it. It's the same thing. And your goal is to live forever, as it was the goal um, shown yeah. by the pharaohs yeah. in the physical world. Yeah. Then this is the epitome of the ego. Of the self. Ego, it's more. It's more than the ego because you see in the higher orders of masonry. Yeah. The and I've had different high masons tell me the same story in initiations, um, who didn't know each other, so it kind of confirmed it. They talk about bringing an entity into you with the high degrees. An entity. Now you can call it depends on your religion, a demon or whatever. Um, whatever it is, they, they claim they bring something in that gives them extra powers. Mm-hmm. And, and so, however you want to look at it, they believe it at the top. And but, but that's part of the satanic teaching, too. Well, all satanic teaching comes from the same sources. Yeah. And down through the ages. And now, if you were to go into the Christian version, I suppose you would say that, that um, the absence of of the physical body is held to a demon it can only have sensuality and, and, and really go into the senses like you wouldn't believe in all kinds of ways perverted ways through the physical body so hell is absence of the physical body and the world if you were just a mind stuck in space with no limbs and so on for, for, for thousands of years that would be, that'd be hell to you and technically uh, to be to be incarnated into a body that's now perfectly uh, immortal, a physical body is completion uh, for, for, for the satanic side of things, that's their philosophy mm. so you'd have an immortal spirit locked into an immortal body that's, that's yes, right. but in Christianity it's, it's a resurrection in the body of Christ not Satan <laughs> yeah, but it's up to the people who want what they want to take it out, out of that. But there's no doubt the guys at the top, um, certainly even Bohemian Grove there, when you watch their antics, and we had, I think, this investigation by John DeCamp, the senator, to do with them bringing in male, male um, orphans. Mm-hmm. And what, what happened to them? Some of them were killed there, and, and, and they got away with it. Uh, there's an awful lot of debauchery involved in all of this. We find the same thing from people who were all for the Knights Templars because they were descendants of them, like John Dee in the, the 16th century, who was trying to defend the Knights Templars, although he did say in it that all Templars were swore an oath to, to relieve each other's sexual tensions on demand. Mm. Well, thank you. Well, Stuart, thank you for your call, and you made some very good uh, contributions. Thank you very much, sir, for your call. 
Well, it gets pretty deep, doesn't it? Pretty, pretty deep, pretty fast, huh? Oh yeah. Um, we've got to cut away for our, our break at the top of the hour, and we have about a six-minute break there. So if you need to take care of something, this is the time to do it. We certainly appreciate uh, what 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 you're getting into because we're getting down to the real nut cutting on this. But we'll be right back. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate you. Good man.